Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you, and it is a pleasure in this sense of real family and community this morning to open the word together. And um, what I'm going to share about this morning is uh, just this simple phrase, who do we have faith in? Because uh, when we talk about faith, hope, and love, they're all fantastic things. We need to talk about them. We need to understand them. They are uh, virtues of the scripture that will last through eternity. They're incredible. But if we don't know who we actually have faith in, that's where we have to start. Who is the God that we have faith in? Who is the God who shaped the universe, who created Faith, hope, and love, where we look at him and we see that's what those things are supposed to look like. And so, uh, A.W. Tozer famously once said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And that's true. When we think about God, what comes to our mind is really important. And it's really important because we're either right or we're wrong. Um, And there are lots of different facets to God, and we can see him from lots of different angles, And so we might talk about love, and there's not just one simple definition of that, because he's massive, and he's awesome, and he's great. But we can be wrong about our perception of God, and we can be right about our perception of God. And so it's really, really important that we look to the scriptures, that we understand who God is, and we realize we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth of who he really is. See, Jesus actually asks his disciples about what they think about him, about who they think he is. And the answer mattered to him. Um, I'm going to jump around over loads of scriptures today, so I'm not expecting you to turn to all of them, but we'll turn to this first one together, and that's Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. And it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. See, this scripture tells me that uh, to God it really matters who I say he is. It really matters to God who I think he is, who I say he is, and it tells me that my opinion about that, though, doesn't matter. Oh, he's a prophet. Or, oh, he's, uh, he's Elijah or he's Jeremiah, one of, one of the prophets. No, what Jesus was interested in was revelation from heaven. Yes. That's what uh, Peter was given. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is not your opinion. This is not what you've figured out in your mind. But this has been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Of who Jesus was. Of who God was. That's what matters. We must know what God says about himself and what he reveals to us about him. 
This is so important that Paul was constantly praying for the church and uh, about this. And in Ephesians 1, 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. That is why Paul wants us to have this great revelation, this great wisdom. Why? So that we can do life really well? No, so that we can know him better. One of the biggest differences between Christianity and any other um, considered to be world religion is that we can actually know God. That, That God came to us and wants to be known. Our religion leads to relationship. That is the point. That's why we pray. That's why we read the word. That's why we worship. That's why we fast. That's why we gather. All of those things is so that we can know him. We have a relationship with Jesus and that is the greatest privilege. When um, Janet was praying earlier, just the privilege of having God as our father. He's not a God who's far off who we can never know, but he's our father in heaven. What a privilege. So I want us to consider three questions this morning about knowing God. The first is this. Why should we know who God is? Why does it even matter? The second is, can we know who God is? And the third is, does knowing God, uh, does does knowing who God is make any practical difference to our lives? And when we get to question three... I am going to ask you a question to discuss between yourselves. And that question is, how has understanding who God is uh, impacted your life practically? So introverts, you're welcome. You've got about 15 minutes to consider this without anyone talking to you. Extroverts such as myself, I can literally hear you screaming inside saying, I want to talk to someone about it, but you have to wait. We will get there. So don't worry. So the first question, why should we know who God is? He expects us to know who he is. That's the first thing. Why should we know who God is? Because he expects us to. In uh, John 14, 8 to 10, Philip asks Jesus to show him and the disciples the Father. Philip says to to Jesus, look, if you can show us the Father, that will be enough. And Jesus, almost taken aback and insulted a little bit by this, says, Have I been with you so long that you don't realize that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Jesus expects us to recognize God in him. Jesus wants us to see that he is God and he expects us to do so. The second uh, reason that we should know who God is, is misrepresenting God is a big deal. (laughs) It's a really big deal. To say this is what God is like and misrepresent him because we're wrong is actually a big deal. Uh, If we turn to Job, (laughs) the ultimate example of this in scripture, the first 40 chapters um, of Job is basically Job and his friends talking about who they believe God to be in Job's situation, all right? The end is them finding out they were wrong. (laughs) And... um, In Job 40, verses 6 to 9, this is God's reply to Job in this situation. Then God spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? 
Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. God comes to Job and he's like, who are you talking about? (laughs) Who are you talking about? And so God then goes on through verse 42 to challenge Job on this. And then Job's response in uh, 42 verses 1 to 6 is, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is, it, uh, who is this that obscures uh, my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I do not understand, things too wonderful for, to, for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak, I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And then God comes after Job's friends in verse 7. After this, the Lord had said these things to Job. He said to Eliaphaz and Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Job was actually getting some things right and still got a good telling off about this. But the response in those things is to repent. To go, God, I was thinking... I mean, that's how we all start our Christian journey, is to realise I've been thinking totally wrong about God. I've, been, I've seen this God and who he really is, and I, I'm sorry, I repent, I turn from thinking that, and now I move towards understanding you properly and understanding who you really are, and that's the, that's the point of salvation for us. And then we walk this journey of figuring out and understanding who yeah. this God is. Right. The third reason that we should know who God is, is knowing God is something to boast in. It's something to be really happy about. And it's a real privilege that we can know that. In Jeremiah um, 9, 23 uh, and 24, he says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. It is a privilege and we can boast in the fact that we know God. We are allowed to do that. And the fourth uh, thing is uh, of, of why we should know God is knowing God is part of protecting our faith and our walk with him. In um, 2 Peter 3, 14 to 18. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking of them in these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do not know the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. See, the knowledge of God and who he really is protects us from drifting off. We hear false teaching or we hear something that's not of who God is. And instead of being swept away and taken up with those ideas, when we know God, we realize, no, that's not the God that I know. 
And actually, it protects our faith. When we find ourselves in situations that we didn't expect to find ourselves in, when I look at a situation and I think, how can God be good in this situation? My understanding and my knowledge that God is good protects my faith in that circumstance. So knowing God, uh, the reason we should know God is because it protects that walk with him. Second question, can we know who God is? Yes. (laughs) Yes, we can. Because uh, Romans 1, 18 to 19 says, The wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. God has made it plain to even people who don't know him that he is there, that he is real. The, the scripture there goes on to talk about the fact that even creation should be evidence enough that there is a God. People are without excuse. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. And we can know God because he desires to be known. Yeah, right. He wants to be known. He wanted to be known so much that he came as a human being. That he came to live with us in the muck and the rubbish and said, follow me to heaven. God wants us to know him. He desires for us to know him. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it tells us that the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever. We can't know everything about God because our minds are simply not capable, but also because there are certain things that God has kept for himself, and that's okay because he's God and he decides. (laughs) But the things that he has shown us, we can know and we can pass on to our children. Jasper can know all about who God is because the revealed things that have been revealed to his family, to our church community, we're going to pass on to him and he is going to know all about who God is. And I'd say there are two main ways in which we can know who God is, how we can know who he is. And I would say their experience and their learning. And neither one is more important or less than another. But in experience, we think of prayer as we pray to God, as we feel our hearts changed and transformed, as we reach to him in prayer, actually, we begin to know him. We begin to pray and we see the prayers he answers and we realize, God, this is what you're like and and this is who you are in this situation. By serving and doing and just living the Christian life, We experience God and we see him. Um, In 1 John 3, 6, it says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Our lives display whether we know God. Our experience displays whether we know God or not. Now, I'm not talking about people make mistakes. Okay? We make mistakes. Even this morning, I was preparing and God just highlighted an attitude I had. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, I just put that away. I don't want to have that attitude. I don't want to treat you like that. Lord, I love you. But actually, we don't go on sinning. Christians do not go on sinning. You know, I would really encourage you, if you are stuck in a pattern of sin, if you are stuck in something where you keep making the same mistake over and over and over again, just ask somebody for help. Come to God, repent, change, turn, turn your direction around, do something different. But come and live out the life that you've been called to in holiness and righteousness because you can know God. And as we do that, as we see the blessing and the benefit of walking with him, as we see him move in powerful ways, 
We know him better. See, when we put ourselves in situations that we need God, we see him. When I need to be healed and I put myself in a position to be healed and I call on God, I see him as healer. When I'm in a situation that is so chaotic, but I know his peace, I know he's got a peace. See, I can read in the scriptures and understand that God is a healer, but when I sat in front of a doctor and they, um, they told me, the reason you have a blood clot in your arm is because you keep lifting your arm up. Whenever I lift my arm up, it traps an artery in between my top rib and my collarbone, and that caused a blood clot, so they were going to have to take out my top rib. And I sat in front of the consultant and they said, we have no idea why this is, but your body has figured out how to get around this major artery to get blood to your arm in a different way. So it's actually no longer using that artery. So it doesn't matter that it gets clamped anymore. So there's no reason, there's no medical explanation for why that is. And there's no reason to take out your top rib. It's, <laughs> like, I read that and I know that, but equally, I'm never going to forget that guy's face. <laughs> and we want to experience as well as know. Because that, that kind of knowledge is not inferior. It's essential to the Christian life. In Ephesians 3.19, Paul prays um, that we can know the love, that he wants us to know the love that surpasses knowledge. There There are aspects of God's character and what he's like. His love cannot be just known in here. We can know him. We can know his love by experience. In our emotions, in our just very being, we experience God's love, and that's part of the way we know Him. And then another experiential way that we can know God is through the church, through one another. I see His love and His kindness and His goodness, sometimes His discipline, through one another. We are such a blessing to one another because we put a face on God to each other. That is a real privilege. The second way that we can know God is by learning. And um, we don't become Christians and kiss our brains goodbye, as someone famously once said. Saying, though, uh, we, we can't discount learning. We can't discount opening the word. The reason I knew I could call on God as my healer in that circumstance was because I'd read in here that he is my healer. I read the promises of who he is, and I've not just read the promises, but then I've, I've read and I've realized that God is the promise keeper. And so he's made promises, he's the promise keeper, and so I'm going to dare to lift my hands and say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you bring health to my body? Lord, and whether that's through the doctors or whether it's you miraculously doing something in me, God, I just, I know that you want me to be healed and I know that you want me to be well. And so then I sat in front of the doctor having prayed that and he looked at me with the weird eyes <laughs> that I'll never forget. So how do we learn? Well, simply the word. The word in all its forms are how we learn about um, God. Jesus is the Word revealed. He is the Word incarnate. Jesus Christ, the man that we read of, was God made flesh. And if we've seen him, we have seen the Father. Spend loads of time in the Gospels. Spend loads of time reading about what Jesus is like. Find all the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. Read the prophecies. Read what he's like. Go to Revelation and find out about the king who rides in on a white horse, who's victorious over the enemy. 
read all about Jesus and realize that this is all about Jesus. And secondly, the the Bible. (laughs) The Bible, the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Give yourself to the word of God to learn. And thirdly, it's each other again. (laughs) The church. The church is how we can learn. See, one of the qualifications for eldership is to be able to teach. (laughs) The church is supposed to be a place where we can learn about the scriptures. We are supposed to be able to open the word and to, to instruct in doctrine, to instruct and say, this is what God is like. We all come, though, with a psalm and a hymn and a spiritual song. We all come with testimony. We all have access to the word of God and to share revelation with one another as long as we're opening it. Mutual discipleship and that covenant with one another is how we can learn and teach. And, um, and you know what? This stops error. It protects us. Because I'm really excited and I read the Bible and I read all about this idea that I've completely misunderstood and I come and instead of making a doctrine of it, I sit with someone and I say, look, I've seen this in the scripture. And they go, no, you haven't. (laughs) But it's okay. I love that. Here's what it actually means. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) Personal experience happens so many times. Thank you, Chris Alton, particularly. So just with that in mind, just so you're aware, after today, at 12 o'clock today, go live. The first eight of 20 videos that I've put together on the different attributes of God. Because we, we want you to know who God is. And the scripture is clear. And, and I've always been so blessed by people who have taught me who God is. And so um, they're five-minute videos on, an, on like an introduction to an attribute of God. So what does it mean? that God is love. What, is it, what does God's knowledge mean for us? And so talking about the description of it, some scriptures and where you can find it, and then you can go off and, and look at that some more and look at it in more detail because five minutes will not do it. Um, and then look, just some examples of practically how these things can actually impact our lives because knowing God has to practically impact us. Yeah, it does practically impact us, just as a cheat for the question later. So on to that question. Extroverts. While your mind has been whirring, don't worry, you can talk to somebody now. But I'd just like to give five minutes just to talk with one another and just ask this question. How has understanding who God is impacted your life practically? Introverts, you've had more than enough time. I'm sorry, that'll probably make you speak in a few minutes as well. Um, But if we could go on that question, you've got five minutes, well, a few minutes, just to chat that through and just give some examples to each other. So... The answer is yes, dramatically. (laughs) Knowing who God is dramatically impacts our lives. Hebrews 11.11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him to be faithful who had promised. Sarah did not receive the power to conceive because she had decreed and declared the right things. She didn't have all the right phrases to say to prove that she had faith. She knew who God was, and that released power. She knew the one who had promised was faithful. 
And so she didn't need anything else. That was enough for God to say, by that faith, I will release power for you to conceive. Awesome. Awesome. Knowing who God is radically, drastically affects our life. Ultimately, life is found in knowing God. John 17.3. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, knowing God. So yes, we should know God. Yes, we can know God. And yes, knowing him makes a real practical difference to our lives. Rich um, asked me at the beginning, he said, do you want to respond with a song or with a prayer or anything like that? How do you want people to respond at the end? My prayer is that our response is to know God better. That is, that is all, all we're looking for, is to go, Jesus, just show me yourself in your word. Lord, would you reveal yourself as my healer in this circumstance? God, would I pass on to the people around me the truth of who you are? Because we know him better. Amen. So Lord, I just want to pray. And ask you, Holy Spirit, the teacher of all things, the one who wrote the word, revealed the word, brought the, 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 the incarnate word to earth, would you help us to know you better? Holy Spirit, would you make us a church who declare the truth about you, who decree that you are a great and awesome and mighty God, who know you powerfully, Lord, and would that shape and transform our lives to, be, to look more like you, to display you to the world around us, and to radically extend your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.